0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Today's episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Twisties. Twisties is my longest running client. I've been shooting for them for over a decade and they are also the best site for lesbian erotica. On the web. You know, on this show, we talk a lot about ethical porn and consent and boundaries. Let me tell you that when I shoot for Twisties, we cover all of those topics and you can rest assured that you are definitely accessing the most ethically produced porn out there I as the producer and the director make sure of that so check out twisties.com where you can access the hottest girl girl scenes out there with big stars like Abella Danger Demi Sutra Kira Noir Cherie DeVille and Alexis Fox plus up and coming newcomers like Jules Blue Lulu Chu Alexis Tay Charlotte Sin Giselle Blanco, and so many more. Go to twisties.com today. You will not regret it. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. My guest today has had an incredible journey. She's been in the porn industry for just over a year when she suffered a stroke and had to have heart surgery. But she didn't let that step back stop her. Impressive career, both on screen and behind the camera. She's been nominated for so many awards, including Hottest Inked Star and Alt Porn Female Performer of the Year. Welcome to the show, Misha Montana.
1: Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this for a long
0: time. Oh, good. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about, just as you came in the door, all these interesting (laughs) things came up. The first thing that we started discussing about, which is not on my list of questions, but I feel like we need to get into this because I want to make sure that um, you tell me all about this, is the deathmatch wrestling that you just did that is responsible for that little cut Cut that we see on your head right now.
1: Yes. Well, it's kind of funny that you even noticed it because I'm like, I have to address it at some point. It was a lot bigger a few days ago, but I'm actually part of a wrestling promotion called XPW. It's um, extreme pro wrestling. And I got into it because I was a valet for one of the wrestlers who's actually the king of the deathmatch. So what does that mean? It's deathmatch wrestling is, it's like, you know, your typical, you know, WWE or AEW. They're trained professional wrestlers, but they use weapons, like obscure weapons. Um, In this particular case, I was hit in the head with a light tube like a fluorescent, like a light tube you would use in your kitchen. or um, And they're glass, you know, it's real glass. So they hit each other with light tubes and roll around in thumbtacks and they'll cut each other. There's a guy that used a syringe through someone's face. Um, it's so violent. It's extremely violent. And people think it's fake. Like I showed you the picture. I was like covered in blood. Covered in blood. I thought that it looks
0: like a Halloween costume. It did. And
1: that's what like people thought too. They're like, oh, she just like poured a bunch of fake blood on her head. I'm like, no, that's like my own blood. Like yeah. it was, there was nothing fake about yeah. that And head all.
0: wounds, head wounds bleed they excessively.
1: bleed. Like I was actually kind of like when it happened and I felt it on my face, I'm like, God, I hope this isn't like too much. Like I hope I'm not bleeding from my head out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and it's dangerous. It really is. Um, but I love it. It's such like a rush for me. Like, it takes performance art to an entirely different level, too.
0: Now, you said you were a valet. What does that mean?
1: It's basically like an escort for the wrestler. Like, you are their manager, in a sense. You just walk out with them and kind of escort them out to the ring. And you have minor storyline roles. But my role developed really quickly And that to where I ended up being more involved in the promotions and um, I ended up being more physical. We've had a few cat fights um, with Veronica St. Clair and uh, or Veronica Kane and Jasmine St. Clair. So we've had little toughs here and there. And uh, I wanted to take it to the next level physically because I wanted to show the fans that I could do it and do something as crazy as that. And no one was expecting me to actually bleed ever. I don't think they ever expected me to. Especially six months in to a promotion.
0: Okay, so I, this is legal, I assume.
1: It is, somehow. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, what's the know. insurance on that? God, that's I can't I even imagine.
1: Know. I, wa- I mean, and it's crazy to watch. Like, you're watching it and you're just like, this cannot be real. I think it, like, helps people to kind of, like, internalize it and digest it when you are like, no, there's no way that's real. It's entertaining to some people. It's harder for me. Like, when I first watched them on TV, I couldn't watch it. Yeah. It's just, like, too much. It was, like, so disgusting to me. But when you're there and in it, you have to go in person. I recommend going in person. Yeah. Because no, then you get the never, whole <laughs> – You're never, like, no, ever, never. <laughs> ever going to go to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. Like, you have to have a certain mindset. Yeah. Like, you have to be a certain type of person to be into that, for sure. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. But I'm into, like, I love it. Like, the blood and just, like, aesthetically how it looks, too. Like, when with my blonde hair. Like, mm. when I got all bloody, I'm just, like – genuinely happy i was backstage like here i am bleeding from the head and people are like are you all right i'm like i'm great this yeah. is awesome i'm I love the adrenaline
0: rush must be crazy oh
1: yeah it is it's like a whole d- you don't even feel it too at that point yeah. like, people like how do you do that doesn't it hurt like i mean eventually yeah i hurt more right now yeah. than i did three days ago so right i'm lucky that they didn't scar up my face more than
0: so yeah i mean you said syringes like I mean, has anybody ever gotten, like, seriously, seriously injured from this? uh,
1: People have died from death matches. Uh, People have died in the wrestling world, you know, just from regular wrestling. Um, It's dangerous what they do. But, you know, knock on wood, surprisingly so, it's not as, like, common as you would think, especially considering some of the stuff that they do. But they're as trained as they can be for the most part. Um, Obviously, using, like, weapons like that, there's not a whole lot of training that goes into it. You just hope that you're hitting the right places. David Arquette, actually. Remember him? Oh, yeah. screen yeah, yeah. guy? Yeah. He got into wrestling, and he got stabbed in the throat because they did it wrong, and he was bleeding from the jugular and has his, like, hand on his throat, and he was bleeding to death, like, and he, like, caught himself because it's a performance. He left the ring because he's bleeding out. He knew he nicked something, and he turned around and went back in to finish the match.
0: Wow.
1: And that's how, like,
0: you okay. know, they
1: are dedicated to this to that level
0: so all right i'm sorry i can't like wrap my fucking brain around (laughs) this um (laughs) it's so obscure i know i I didn't know that this existed um so you say that there's training and you said that somebody stabbed him in the throat wrong i'm assuming that there's some training around the appropriate places to impale somebody right and like
1: you know a lot of it, too, is kind of like common sense in a, you know, a way. They, they're they not trying to, like, really hurt each other, you know, for, for the most part. There are right. some people that are probably trying to hurt you. But there's a respect between opponents, you know. Uh-huh. It's just like any other event. It should be, especially with something that personal, too, where they're so close to all these vital right. organs and things. Like, you're not trying to hurt somebody. And everything that they're doing, they are okay with you know or they want or they're communicating in some ways that people wouldn't even realize so you know it's not just like an all-out brawl like we're gonna go out and i'm gonna try to stab you to death like that's mm-hmm. not how it is at all it's you know it's executed in a way that that doesn't happen for the most part but accidents happen it's just like anything yeah. else it's like hockey you know they get the their throats slit from weights yeah. it's like yeah, if my he, husband plays know, hockey. It's Oh, does he? Yeah. Like, hockey is brutal too. <laughs> brutal. Like watching hockey matches, I'm like, man.
0: And the and the fighting is like the part that everybody, everybody loves. loves the most. Yeah,
1: oh, it's crazy. I wanted to play hockey when I was in second grade, yeah. and my dad was like, no chance.
0: No, my husband's totally going to teach my daughter how to play hockey. Oh, no way.
1: Yeah. Oh, or oh, good for you. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. But yeah. it's brutal. Like it I don't know how brutal. people just they just love it. But then people wonder like I'm nuts for liking you know wrestling and then i watch hockey i'm like this is so brutal
0: i mean but they're like padded and <laughs> yeah, stuff like that to like to be fair like there's some protection going on there but with yeah, there's none that there's none like people don't wear like bulletproof no, vests or definitely
1: not they're nothing. like shirtless for the most part like they're just all out like they you have to have a certain like mindset to even want to do something like that yeah. for sure Yeah, I love it. I think we're nuts, but I think everyone thinks that too. Do you think
0: that it's actually like a good outlet for people who have like a lot of pent up aggression or anger to get it out in like a healthy, um, consensual way?
1: Yeah, I really do. I think that, um, you know, physical sports like that, especially ones that are, you know, more like aggressive and Mm -hmm. brutal and physically violent like Mm -hmm. that. I think it is a good outlet because who knows, like if you like are having those kind of feelings and, you know you're raging out like that in a ring, what would you be doing if you weren't Mm -hmm. there? So I think it is like a healthy expression too. And it really mostly is like an artistic expression for the most part, Mm -hmm. but it is a very physical expression too. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it too is there's so much pain incorporated into it. It's almost like a BDSM kind of parallel Mm -hmm. in a way. Like you almost enjoy that pain and it's kind of a release At least in my opinion, I think that's part of it. I don't know because I can't speak for a lot of the other people involved. But I could see that being kind of playing into that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I know. That totally makes sense.
1: Which is why I like it. I mean, I'm into, you know, that kind of pain-pleasure relationship. So I I can see that playing a role also. That would be my suspicion.
0: Yeah. How do they choose the weapons? And I'm assuming the weapons have to be approved by a board or something like that. Well, I mean... Because you can't come in there with, like, a fucking club with a bunch of nails in it.
1: You could. Oh, Jesus Christ. You could. <laughs> fans will bring weapons like, that they make. And I'm like, that stuff I don't trust because I'm like, I don't know. Like I mean, I, the fans are great. I love the fans. But, like, you don't know what somebody did to them. You don't know. Like, yeah. somebody brought to one of the shows, like, a pinata with a bunch of razor blades in it. Like, that's sketchy stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, they, I mean, they really, if you think of it, they probably put it through their body, like skewers, like long skewers. They, like, shove them in your head, and I don't do that. That's not my level, but, like, it's gnarly what they do.
0: But I assume, okay, so the other contestant has to approve the weapons, right? Like, you can't, like, two people are fighting each other. Yeah. So do they approve it, like, at the event before be it like, starts, or is there a communication before There's communication
1: for sure. Okay, so they're um, like, "Hey, I'm going like, to bring
0: a fucking machete," and it's right. like, "That's cool." That's a
1: little much, yeah. Or that's <laughs> like that's a little much. They like weed whack each other sometimes. Like, wait,
0: with, with like a like weed a weed whacker, whacker with a motor?
1: Oh yeah. Get the fuck out of here! I know, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, anything you think of that could be used as a weapon that's like dangerous, they probably have used it. No chainsaws. I don't know about chainsaws. They might have used chainsaws, but I think chainsaws are too much. Yeah. Weed whacker's a little smaller. Weed a little <laughs> it's not we're not going through the log, we're going through like the brush, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it's but still, like, who wants to get intentionally cut by a weed whacker? Nobody.
0: Well, clearly that, somebody um, does, yeah. because otherwise this wouldn't exist. small percentage
1: of people want to get whacked by a weed whacker. That like, is nuts. Okay, is. so it's how crazy. many how
0: like big are these events? How many fans are generally there?
1: They're usually, you know, are, couple hundred few hundred people there um the pay-per-views sell like crazy though like in-person events usually like a few hundred but i can't even imagine like thousands and thousands and thousands that they saw on pay-per-views so people are watching it from from home it's a, definitely like it's an indie promotion so it's smaller way smaller than right. the main. and it's obviously a niche thing yeah. so it's not appealing to everybody like it's not a mainstream appeal But it has like a really large fan base and it's very like -like. Mm cult-like. You know, like everybody, they're really into it. Oh, I can imagine. And it's awesome. Like I'd say like wrestling fans compared to like porn fans, because I thought porn fans were like, uh, they're serious, they're obsessive. But wrestling fans are rabid. Like they're so connected to it. Like it's just like porn and there's a lot of parallels between porn Mm -hmm. and wrestling. Like Mm -hmm. if you think about it in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. So um, to have that, comparatively like fan base wise, it's really interesting because these fans are like diehard. If they hate you, they they hate you. And but if they love you, like it's amazing. So these fans are, are incredible. And because it means so much to them too, mm-hmm. you know, and wrestling fans are like that. Like you either get it or you, you don't at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. but if you get it, you have like loyalty Forever yeah. with these people. So, and I, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It's
0: interesting that, like, you're straddling these two worlds that appeal to like, our mm-hmm. most animalistic and, to be fair, strongest instincts of mm-hmm. violence and sex. Yeah,
1: 100%.
0: So, what are the parallels that you see between them and, and how are they different, maybe?
1: Well, you know, I've always seen it as like one degree of separation between the two, where mm-hmm. we, you know, we were both in these worlds that are fantasy worlds. Everybody is a character. I relate a lot to the wrestlers and the wrestling community because I understand what it's like to be a fictional character mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, some people are not, but for the most part, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're playing a role, a fantasy role. And, you know, you have this struggle with identity a lot too, where mm-hmm. you have a real life. You you know, you're a human being. But yet you're supposed to be this figure all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, wrestling is one of those worlds where it's like the most relatable in any kind of a professional sport or anything really. I mean, other than obviously like actors and actresses, Mm -hmm. but they get to like maintain a lot of their, you know, privacy and they can separate from their roles where we can't, there's a blur between our real self and our fictitious self. So, you know, there there's a lot of parallels there, but it ultimately like it's a performance. Um and you have a lot of people that can't separate performance from reality. So, it's interesting. You know, and actually I think there's more similarities than there are differences in that world too. Highly physical, mm-hmm. um physically demanding, emotionally, mentally demanding, mm-hmm. um stigmatized in some ways. Obviously wrestling's more widely accepted socially than The adult community but there's a lot there and i think it's kind of interesting when you combine the two worlds too which is Mm -hmm. what this promotion does combines the two so brilliant in my opinion and if you think about it it makes sense but you would probably never put those two eggs in the same basket like Mm -hmm. if you weren't actually you know familiar with either world Mm -hmm. so it's kind of an interesting interesting thing to watch
0: why do you think the public has an issue like separating the character from the persona in sex work and in like wrestling versus because you compared it to acting before. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that there there is that struggle to like separate those
1: things? You know, I think it's investment in the the characters. You know, I think people are so desperately looking for an escape, especially these days. You know, we live in such a hostile, negative world and seeing people like us or seeing these you know and wrestlers are like they're built like greek gods for the most part they're superheroes like especially to children you know they're a figure that it's a living breathing fantasy it's obtainable Mm -hmm. in a sense where like you see movies you're like i'm in love you know you can get obsessive about certain fantasy you know even like science fiction storylines and characters But we're physical representations of something potentially attainable too. Mm. Um, And I think that people like fall in love with that idea. You know, there's there's a hope there that they can relate to or, you know, it kind of embodies like their fantasy, Mm -hmm. just living, breathing, walking fantasy for them. So I think that attachment is greater, especially like I was comparing it to, it's different than a football team because it's like, You know, people are diehard loyal fans to their teams, but we're like individual characters with stories, with Mm -hmm. personalities, with social media presences, with things that they can follow all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's the fan base gets deeper and more connected because you are an individual. Mm -hmm. And even if you are just that character, I think that's why they have a hard time separating the two because they don't want to. Mm-hmm. I think when you, you know, and I've been cautioned to this before, not to share too much to give it too much reality for fans. Um, I honestly disagree because I think my fans like that about me, I would hope. But I can see why it wouldn't be enduring. You know, they want the fantasy. They want you to be what they see on the screen. And to them, that's that's what matters. So, but it's difficult because at the end of the day, you are human. That's why so many people, wrestlers and porn people alike, you have mental health problems. You have substance abuse problems. You have identity crisis, like at some point or multiple times in your life. Yeah. Because of that, you know, you're treated a certain way and viewed as this object, you know, this fantasy figure, but you're a human at the end of the day, whether they want to acknowledge that or not.
0: It's been interesting because I've seen feedback specific to that actually on this podcast. And I've had so many people tell me, "You, hu- your show humanizes adult stars. Wonderful. There, there's one side that says, I can't watch this girl's porn anymore because now I see her as yeah. a person. And like, right. you've ruined it for me. <laughs> sorry. Um, and so there, sorry. And yeah. then there's other people who become more of a fan because they're like, I didn't know that she, she had these depths that. to her. Mm-hmm. I relate to her on all of these things. I see her as a person now. I'm an even greater fan. So it's kind of interesting. And I think that also separates out the two different kinds of fans. And I think that the rise of OnlyFans and other personal content platforms has really illustrated this. There are some people that truly like watch porn because they just want to get off. They want to masturbate. They want to like blow their loads. They don't get prostate cancer. Should masturbate frequently to not get prostate cancer. It's important to get that sperm (laughs) out. Just say it out, get it (laughs) all out. And then there's people that are truly um, looking for a connection Mm -hmm. with somebody else. And um, I think sex workers, because they also like put themselves in this vulnerable position of like showing themselves to the world. um, And now that people have access to them through the internet, uh, they feel this this connection with these people. Mm -hmm. I think also too, especially since it's more difficult for men to have sexual relations than it is for women. And it's 100%. been really interesting for me to talk to some fans that are, um, you know, who hire like uh, full service sex workers mm-hmm. or, um, you know, in, do in-person sex work or are just like big fans of whoever and support them on OnlyFans and order lots of customs, et cetera. Um, and, you know, they've provided really interesting insight into like, I have a hard time having relationships with women. Sometimes some of them are married Mm -hmm. and they have a hard time connecting with their wife and they feel like they're getting a connection through these women. And there's not that judgment that they fear and they experience with like the dating pool. Right.
1: Well, you know, I think that that brings up, you know, the biggest human issue is that we're all looking for a connection yeah, and more than ever, we lack it Mm -hmm. in every way. You know, the with technology and social media and these apps for crying out. Loud. I mean, you can't even meet somebody organically or in person anymore. And half the time you talk to someone online, you meet them in person, you're like, This isn't even like the connection I thought it would be. It's awkward because yeah. we've, you know, unfortunately as a species gone into this weird thing where we crave that connection and we have to have a physical connection with human beings. We're meant to, we're biologically engineered to have that connection. And I think the problem you combine that problem with this stigma around sex and the human body in general, and then especially, you know, sex work where it's so taboo and frowned upon and especially, you know, religiously or whatever it may be. And again, you are, at the end of the day, a biological, sexual being—we're all products of sex. Um, most of us will have sex at some point in our lives. So, to shy away from that and to shun it, to shame it—that creates these issues. When we should be having open discussions and education, and you know, acknowledging that we're all human beings, we all have these urges and desires, and how to deal with them in a healthy and appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think it's just lacking all across the board, but that desire and that need is there. So it makes our job and sex workers alike that much more valuable too, Mm -hmm. um, because the services that we provide are essential, Mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, maintaining that humanity, whether it be connection or physical, you know, physical or emotional or wherever it may be, just talking to someone, you know, can be a connection. Yeah. So I think we desperately need more of that connection and more of that education, probably more than ever.
0: Yeah. I think partic- about this one particular, um, I think he's a Patreon member. I know he was um, at least for a while, but I don't know if he still is. And we had this interesting discussion about, you know, you hear that so often, like, oh my God, why do you watch porn? Like, you're so pathetic. You subscribe to this girl's whatever platform, go get yourself a real girlfriend. And this guy was like, I'm handicapped. I'm in a wheelchair. He's like, how easy do you think it is for me to date? He's like, I can't meet women. Women don't want to date me. I know it's very easy for the able-bodied man who doesn't necessarily have such a hard time dating. But like for me, this is very hard for me and sex workers provide a really valuable service for me. And yes, I'm paying them for their time, but it doesn't mean that I, they don't, I don't feel that they care for me. I have a therapist. I pay her for her time. But that doesn't mean she doesn't care about me. Right. But that's her job.
1: Yeah. No, that's an interesting, interesting point, too. It's like, and, you know, why are we so eager to judge other people for, you know, something that they're doing in a responsible and healthy way for their own well-being and Mm -hmm. happiness, you know? But people that say things like that. They probably aren't getting as much pussy as they're, you know, letting <laughs> on to for one. Yeah. It must be so easy for you having pussy thrown your way 24 seven, especially yeah. when you talk to people like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, insecurities and all these other things, but it's just, that just goes into the whole thing of it's a necessary service for, for people like, and it shouldn't be shamed. Like yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And for somebody to feel that way, to feel loved and appreciated, whether it's paid for or not, it's real to them. Mm-hmm. and that experience is valuable. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, those experiences should be celebrated and not shunned or judged or shamed in any way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also this idea if there's a monetary exchange there, then the service that's provided isn't genuine. Right. Which is I think a weird thing. Like I think I'm so too. I'm paid to do photo shoots by doesn't clients. That doesn't like mean it. I don't love it. <laughs> yeah, doesn't mean exactly. it's like I'm not enjoying myself and like I'm I'm passionate Forced and I'm committed. To do it. Yeah, yeah, but like this is I mean we live in a capitalistic society. Like we need to make a living so that we can like pay our bills because unfortunately, you know, shit ain't free. Right. So if you decide to make a living by providing intimacy, such, you know, um, coordination with other people, like, yeah, why are we so quick to jump to that and to shame that?
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be. And it's, you know, prostitution is the oldest profession in the world, you know, so um, no, I really think that we need to have more open conversations and especially going into legal conversations, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens in the near future, but we're potentially looking at some seriously aggressive anti-sex legislation coming forward. So these are problems too, that, you know, people are like, Oh, well, I don't hire prostitutes. Why do I care? But you'd be surprised like how many people within your community are, we're all part of an ecosystem that you are also a part of. I mean, mm-hmm. and if you strip away our rights and you don't think that it's going to happen to you, you are very wrong.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's a slippery slope. It is.
1: Like, And censorship in general, you know, it's like you root for somebody to get censored that you don't agree with or happen to like. But be careful doing such things because it's dangerous and problematic for everyone Yeah. when that overreach starts happening. Because, you know, it's all fine and great when somebody doesn't you don't like gets hit with it. Well, it's two sided. It doesn't just, yeah, you know, leave you alone. So, no, I think you know, um, legalizing sex work acc- nationally should be a priority. Um, that's always been my opinion on it. I think it should be safe and regulated, and it's just like marijuana. You know, remember the anti-weed campaigns, mm-hmm. like holy, but you will smoke and die or murder your whole family. And now it's like... Remember the
0: D.A.R.E. campaign? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. That didn't work. Yeah.
1: Like, they're like you're going to take ecstasy and it's going to burn a hole through your head and you will croak on the floor. And then you take ecstasy and you're like, I didn't die.
0: Yeah. You and, know? Then it, then, and it completely, like, eliminates... It undermines everything, everything that, that you he told you. So yeah. that's
1: why, like, having education, like, not this, like, fear-mongering-based, yeah. like, structure. It's like, have an honest, like, conversation, like... Honestly, you're going to love this shit, but just don't get addicted to it. It is dangerous, you know? But, like, why lie and try to... Because it's the same with sex. Like, don't have sex. You're going to get AIDS. You're going to, you know, all these things. Like, It's like, okay, well, you have sex, right? Mm That you've had sex. So how do you sit there and say it? It just totally undermines their agenda completely. If anything, it pushes people into, like, a more radical, like, side, potentially. Because now you're like, well, fuck this. If everything they said was you know, untrue about that, then it's probably untrue in other ways too. Yeah. So, and that's where you create recklessness too, you know, that defiant recklessness. So Mm -hmm. I think education is the most important thing and we're seriously lacking it in
0: many ways. Amen. All right. uh, We're going to take a quick break so I can educate you on my sponsors and things that you should buy to support this show. (laughs) Buy it up. Buy it all up. (laughs) So uh, hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. We all know Adam and Eve is the one-stop shop for everything sexy. And now, with my code HOLLY, you can get any one item for 50% off, plus 10 free gifts. And you'll even get free shipping. So spice up your sex life at adamandeve.com, but only if you use code HOLLY. All right guys, we are back. So uh, let's let's do your origin story. We got to oh, deal with every guest. How did you get into porn?
1: You know, I started in the adult industry when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I started modeling, doing fetish modeling mostly. started in the BDSM community. and I was in and out, like not seriously committed to actual like film porn, like hardcore porn. For about 10 years, but like I actually got into it and decided to do it when I was 29. Um, and it, then COVID obviously came around and that was a lovely experience for all of us, of course. But um, I've actually only been in, I would consider myself in the industry now for almost two years, mm-hmm. which it seems like so much longer. I've been in and out of adult for about 11. Mm-hmm. But yeah, industry I've only been in about two years, which is wild considering all the things that have happened in two
0: years. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. And so um, so how, like, what was your transition into doing, like, what you're doing now into film? So what, did you not shoot your first porn scene until 29?
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't shoot my per- first porn. Yeah, porn scene was uh, when I was 29. And I was already... 29 years old I mean that's when most people like would be retiring essentially so and everybody thought I was crazy for doing that luckily in this new world that we have with the internet like the genres just kind of are limitless mm-hmm. so um it worked in my favor in a lot of ways and I tried to get an agent <clears throat> I didn't know how to do it. I mean, how, you know, like when, you know, the people that DM you all day, get me into porn, please. Help yeah, me yeah, into yeah. porn. I don't even know how I got into it, to be honest, because I was trying to email call, reach out to agents. I didn't know anyone in the industry for the most part, you know, I didn't have any connections. I didn't know what to do. So I did it the old fashioned way and started emailing people and finding their contact information, DMing them to 95% of which were unanswered or told no Mm -hmm. Um, every single agency that I tried to get with in the beginning. And I had far less tattoos at that time Mm -hmm. was not interested because of my age and because of my tattoos. And then alterotic I emailed and I was like, that was kind of the last one I was going to do. I'm like, you know what? I really wanted to do this. I gave it the best effort that I could. This is kind of it. Like I'm exhausted from trying at this point. So I was feeling really defeated when I sent that email and the next morning, 7 a.m., I jumped on a three hour long phone call with Ivan and the rest of that is history. I ended up shooting my first scene with them with Sasha Inc, which was amazing. Um, and I ended up now I'm their production manager and only female director, writer, producer. So it's great. I'm kind of the unofficial contract star as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's great. I've gotten so many opportunities with them. I love being with them and representing them. So I was blessed in that sense. You know, I was given the gift of opportunity and I just wanted to show everybody that I could do it. And I think we're doing it. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, you're obviously like, inked mm-hmm. pretty well inked i actually keep staring Isn't at this funny, one, this one? That, i
1: know this is the one everybody likes that too. one is so like crazy. really beautiful it's crazy it's
0: incredibly it's well amazing done. amazing
1: what they can do right? yeah I, i'm not an artist myself not in that way
0: um speaking of incredible tattoos can we please talk about your alien <laughs> pussy yes, tattoo because wow <laughs> i i looked at it and She because i my uh my producer like uh wrote out all these questions and she was like you have to see her alien <laughs> tattoo and i hadn't <laughs> looked at it yet and i mentioned it to misha and she's like you gotta see it do you have to see it I'm and right. i was like okay <laughs> i was like i'll go online and i'll oh look at the God. link because i wasn't God. about to ask her to like get naked right now because i'm a fucking professional. lady professional lady and i'm not weird like that so i just looked up her vagina online with her sitting right here which is not weird at all no not at all not for us no. um and um yeah I like it's a, <laughs> it's it it goes all the way down. Just so people know, it's not like just right above here in the pubic no, it's area. There. It's, it's the it's entire on things, the lips, And it's got like tentacles. Teeth. Yeah, it's and a serious you one. got it in a very interesting way. I did,
1: and I actually came up with this idea because people are like, "What?" fuck where did this come from originally i was like i wanted to do because i wanted to do tentacles of some kind i was like well the octopus things played out um i first it was a jellyfish but i'm like i'm so into like i'm such a nerd at heart too i'm like oh my god i was driving and i almost like crashed my car because i was like it has to be a face hugger How cool would that be? Because in the movie, it's from Alien, you know, so they jump on your face. And I'm like, if it's on my pussy, then I can sit there and like suck people's faces off with my pussy. So it was perfect. Yeah. But we, we ended up doing it for the live, um, we live streamed during COVID, the AVN Awards had a red carpet. So on the red carpet, we threw this party and set up at the studio. There were about 15 people there and we were streaming it and it was like a six hour long tattoo. And it was the most god-awful... I did a blowbang right afterwards, actually. That was nominated last Man, year. You're not
0: fucking around. I was you th- were, I like, went so hard committed.
1: on <laughs> I did a blow bang after doing a six-hour-long, horrifically painful pussy tattoo.
0: Did, that, did the blow bang help you forget the pain? It did. Okay, that's I good. think
1: my performance was actually pretty good, considering that I had just done that for so long. Like, that was the last thing I wanted to do.
0: But I was like, "Was it blow bang?"
1: Yeah, oh yeah. After that, I was in so much pain. Well, but... whose
0: idea was it to do the blow bang after the tattoo?
1: A you know, good question. I don't remember. It's probably mine. Honestly, <laughs> you're like I'm, I'm going to get
0: like a really <laughs> was, like, intricate a six out. Hour- Did you have you had, you must have had an idea of how long it would have taken, right? The tattoo. Yeah,
1: you know, I didn't think it would be that long.
0: Okay, I don't. We really
1: didn't think it was going to be that long um but why I, did it take there, so long because there's all these folds so much detail detail oh, and... the details are like there was so much detail and because it's like, on your lips too right it's, uh, yeah it's all so the way in did he
0: have to stretch your lips out yeah to like, uh... it,
1: like the honestly the worst part about it was like this big tendon that runs into your from your like inner thigh up to your like hip mm-hmm. for some reason when he hit that i was like <laughs> like I mean it was worse than giving birth like and I was bawling crying I've never lo- really like cried during a tattoo like I mean it hurts but you get over it and it's usually not as long lasting but man there's so many nerves and stuff down there like and this is a serious tattoo it's not just like oh there's a palm tree it's no lit and like over and over with the detail and I was numbed out and everything and it was nothing is gonna help that dude
0: the way they use numbing
1: cream they did and i was like sitting there baking with my little saran wrap like you know getting all moist and ready to go and i'm telling you there's nothing in the world that could have like made
0: that <laughs> made that enjoyable how did that t- did the artist like respond like when you were like crying was he like Oh, he, to they f- i know he
1: felt bad you know yeah, and he was say. like trying he told me to he was like trying to hurry and like but, you know they're also like
0: but it's like, if job, you're going to do a vagina tattoo, yeah, like, you don't rush do that. It, don't fuck that up.
1: Oh, he, this uh, Jojo, who did it, is an incredible artist, too. I mean, it's photorealism, too. Yeah. It's not just, like... No, it's you know, a really well-done tattoo. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And I was so happy with how it turned out. But then I think, like, when it was done, I was so happy that it was done, and I was so stoked on it that I was like, fuck yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's (laughs) celebrate. Let's get it done. I was amped at that point because I'm like, thank God it's over. Like I have all this energy now just sitting there like this for like like, six hours. What can
0: I do with this energy? (laughs) Uh, Blow several guys. Yeah, let's
1: do it. Let's just like get all, you know, (laughs) celebrate, get all your fucking loads on me. Like let's do it.
0: Oh my God. That is crazy. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. That was wow. Crazy. wow,
1: I like tend to do crazy things. It seems like that's a pattern. Yeah, I I,
0: that's it. the that's the impression I got kind of right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> yeah, I am crazy. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about your stroke. I did have a stroke. Tell us how did that happen? What was the recovery like?
1: I ha- had a blood clot um, that unfortunately traveled to my heart. I didn't know at the time. That I had a heart condition that was previously un, um, undiagnosed. I had a, what they call a PFO, mm-hmm. so it's a hole that you develop. You know, most people when they're born, they all we all have a hole, but it closes, it compresses shut. Um, yeah,
0: that actually. So when my I was pregnant with my daughter, that oh, was something really? that they they were concerned about. They, concerned about. they did a fetal echo a scan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and they said same thing. They're like, it'll probably it close. They usually own. do. Mm-hmm. And they checked her after she was born and she was fine.
1: See, so, yeah, but th- back then I don't even think of- that oh, technology sure. existed. No. So like a lot of people are walking around with these things. I had no idea. Yeah. And so because of that, it drew the clot into my heart and shot it up into my brain. And unfortunately that meant that I suffered a stroke At the time, um, I didn't really share this information for a while, but now that it's out there, I was actually having sex at the time. Um, and it was like the weirdest thing because I was like having sex, full blown having sex and you know, you're, I'm like, you're dirty talking and whatnot and my voice was weird and I couldn't talk. And I was like, this is weird. And so we're like, we get done. And sure enough, like the whole side of my face is gone. I'm like, my hand tightened up. I lost all control of the right side of my body, basically. And I couldn't talk. And the guy I was with was like, are you on drugs? Because it's like, it's so shocking. Like, you, yeah. and that's what like is unfortunate about strokes is that it people think it's like funny or that people are being like drunk or incapacitated, you know, drug mm-hmm. use, whatever. Um, when you're having a serious medical emergency happening yeah. to you. And when uh, the news anchors are online and they stutter and those kind of things and people are like, what the fuck is going on with them? And it's like, they're suffering a stroke, you know, but with strokes, it's interesting because they're so subtle though. It's not painful. Hmm. Well, to me, it wasn't, there's nothing really indicative of having a, like, this is a really serious issue. It's so subtle that you could brush it off, which is what I did. I didn't think I was having a stroke. I thought – I almost thought we had Mexican food earlier in the night. And I was like, maybe I have an allergy. You know what I mean? Like something – I knew something was wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean, a stroke, I feel like, wouldn't be the first thing that would come no,
1: to No. Well, and like, you yeah. Google, and it's one of those times where you're like, Google this, and it says, go to the hospital immediately. You're like, get out of here. Get out of here with it. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, Google. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not dying from – like, you know. The, yeah. but it's actually you are, you know. Yeah. Um, I didn't go to the hospital until the next morning, and I drove myself. About two and a half hours to the hospital Jeez. with one hand trying to drive, um, and I walked into the hospital and it was COVID time and I'll never forget I walked in and they're like you know why are you here and I took my mask off and I didn't even say anything and they started c- calling like stroke codes over yeah. the and yeah. I was like it's not, like do we have to yeah. really like it cannot be that serious yeah and it was um and I was in the hospital for about a week I went through serious speech and physical therapy. Um, I'm lucky. Like it's a day and night difference from what it was a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. My, the fact that I can even talk, walk, do anything that I can do to this day is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some serious long-term consequences that I will have for the rest of my life. Um, Unfortunately, I still have a speech issue a little bit, but my memory is completely obliterated. I have a really hard time remembering even just like little things like scheduling is a nightmare. And I'm so like, I'm such a perfectionist about my brand oh my and like, God, it's my, so Oh, it's so frustrating. I like, I'll go to the airport. I did this the other day. went to the airport on the wrong day at the wrong time. Wow. And I was just crying. Cause I'm like, you know, it's just like stuff like that where it just bothers you because it's like, and I know what it's from. And it's just like, sometimes that stuff happens and the fact that people, you know, I've recovered so well too. And, people are like, oh yeah, you had a stroke. Like you're good now. You look great. You sound great. And it's like, that's true. Thank you. You know, and I appreciate that, but it's like underneath there, there's so many Mm -hmm. like issues that are, I think about it constantly because I'm constantly having to deal with it and having to like almost go above and beyond what I would normally do to just try to make the appearance that everything is like normal Mm too, in a way.
0: Um, It's very difficult. It's draining to do, but Do the do you think that you will have these um, memory situation problems forever, or do you think that there's no like therapy that?
1: Not really. They kind of they gave me a baseline. It was like a six month baseline, and I kept getting when I was getting closer and closer to that. I was like, okay, my hands getting better, my face is getting better, my you know speech is better, my thought processing is better, and it was like memory was just not catching
0: up. So they so basically they were saying like whatever in six months from now, whatever recovery you've had at that point is pretty pretty much where you're going to, as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Okay.
1: And you know, what was weird is my year anniversary, I actually kind of regressed considerably, like having weird kind of relapses in in a sense, which was bizarre. And a lot of people, you know, I'm involved in the stroke community for advocacy and awareness. And they were telling me, that's kind of how it goes. And they're like, you're a baby in this recovery. I've talked to people that have been recovering for 10, 15, 20 years. And they're like, believe me, it seems like you've gotten over the hardest part, but you're going to go through things. I've gone through serious bouts of depression, you know, inexplicably Mm. um, bizarre. And I'm not like, you know, and you just, you have to tell yourself that these things, this is your brain, you know, it's playing a game with you this isn't real. This isn't how you really feel. And I've, I've wanted people to understand that, you know, even with all of this stuff, if, you know, you're tattooed or like you go to agents and they say you're not pretty enough, or, you know, I had a stroke and people question my ability to work or, you know, they're just, your mind is playing tricks on you all the time. Like, those things should be challenges that you should face head on mm-hmm. and that it shouldn't scare you. It shouldn't you know, deter you from trying to live out your dreams. Cause anywhere along that line, I could have been defeated. I want it to be, you know, in a lot of ways when people, you know, are cruel to you or, you know, negative, or it seems like it's so defeating. Think of it more as an opportunity for a challenge. Like you shouldn't back down to those things. You mm-hmm. should kick the door down and go for it full fledged. And that's after the stroke, I wanted to prove that more than ever, not just to myself, but to other people that go through worse things and who don't have anybody to speak for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to to be that for someone that didn't have a voice. So yeah, um, that's the biggest, most profound purpose that I have in my life.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because that is something that I've definitely tried to shift my mindset towards lately. Like I don't look... I try to not look at things as problems anymore. I find that even just changing the words, you know, so instead of I have a problem, I have a challenge yeah, and everything is an opportunity to either learn about like powerlessness and letting go due to a situation because we can't change everything or, um, you know, what can I do to make changes to this situation that will make this better for me or like how can i look at this from a different perspective that yeah. will change it for me.
1: I think perspective has such power though too. I mean, you can choose. I could have chosen the way in a hospital bed and sulk and be depressed and be mm-hmm. I was concerned. You know, I think it's okay to acknowledge your feelings, but don't let them dictate everything because mm-hmm. the power of your thoughts is Extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, you know how we see ourselves or how we think about ourselves is powerful too. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the ability to do all these things, but you have to get your like you said, even just how you use words to yourself to mm-hmm. uh, about situations. There's positivity in everything if you choose to find it, yeah. and it's a choice. You know, happiness is a choice. All of these things, you choose your reaction, mm-hmm. you know, to things. And yeah, there's things, it's shitty, it sucks, you know, it's a bummer. But it's not permanent necessarily mm-hmm. either, right? And how you react to those things, that could be permanent. Mm-hmm. If you get into a negative mindset, Like mm-hmm. you should choose to look at things for, positively because there's positive things about life. And the beauty is in some of the darkest moments the strength comes from those moments yeah
0: absolutely yeah you know it's interesting because i'm kind of experiencing that with my father right now i know i was on the phone with uh, Mm -hmm. caregivers right when you got here and so my dad is 81 and has parkinson's and thank you and he's been in the hospital for the last month he comes home tomorrow and what's been my biggest concern is that like I feel like him being trapped in the hospital, being trapped in the hospital bed, he had pneumonia and sepsis. And he's we've been struggling with his blood pressure, which is part of the which is pretty much the reason that my husband and I moved in with my parents to help take care mm-hmm. of him because he was starting to fall a lot and like yeah. struggling like cognitively. Um, but I really feel that he, you know, he's not like really walking right now. He's not really able to get out of bed. And I feel like he's he's kind of given up and that's what I'm so worried about because I feel like once you give up hope, like that's the end of it. it. And, and I just, and he is unfortunately that kind of person who I think like, he kind of just gives in to the situation. He doesn't necessarily like, fa- like my mom is the opposite. You know, she's, she's faced with the challenges. She's, she's like, I'm going to fight through fanzing, this. I'm going to yeah. like, like she just had knee surgery, full knee replacement. She's like, I'm going to run. Oh Three yeah. No, she that. was like yeah. ignoring the fucking doctors <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, just getting up and walking around the next day and all that shit, oh, which, yeah. which she shouldn't have right. done yeah, to be fair. But, but, but yeah. And I just, I'm like, and I'm hoping that by bringing him home, um, that will help motivate him, him, give him, like, yeah. just a better place to, like, improve his mental health. So then maybe he'll, you know, improve a little bit and um, hopefully be able to, you know, God, walk I on his own so. again. But, yeah, um, I hope so. but I, it has really made me think about how your perspective and your mental health, like, kind of creates drives, your reality. Yeah,
1: it drives everything, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you mentally give up you know it's a ripple effect throughout your even to your physical self Mm -hmm. um and that's why even just the thought the start at the thought be like you know what i'm i'm not going to react to this negatively i'm gonna look at what are the positives to this how can i use this situation to better myself and better others or be inspirational or you know put a smile on my face when i don't want to Mm -hmm. those are the hardest things to do but if you do those things, those tiny little things, even just the thought, you start, you know, mimicking it, you mirror mm-hmm. it, you actually, you know what? I'm smiling as so much. I am actually kind of fuming happier. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, more positive person. Like if you're conscious of what, of your thoughts and what you say and how you, you know, what you do. And I think everybody needs to work on that. You know, it's not like you just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to be really positive and empathetic. Mm -hmm. Like you, but by, you know, listening to other people and then trying to be more empathetic and Mm -hmm. you open up a whole new world of peace Mm -hmm. for yourself and happiness that you can also share with others. And, uh, you know, people, that's, it's also easier, too, when you deal with so much, like, animosity and hatred around you. Mm-hmm. You develop this sense of just, like, unbotheredness, like, where, you know, I'm so grounded in my own. I know who I am and what I do, and I try my best to be a decent person, and I'm happy and at peace. Then other people can't, you know, stir that peace. Yeah. Um, as much as they try, and you can see it for what it is, and then it's like, I feel sorry for those people that haven't discovered the choice to be positive and to look at things in a positive
0: way. That's so incredibly true. And I know that, I mean, I, I think about, so a lot of people know that I'm sober um, and I was sober for a long period of time and then I relapsed and then I struggled to get sober again. And, you know, I, I never, even though I definitely felt like incredibly dark and I felt frustrated and there was a part of me that's like, am I ever going to like get through this and get sober again? Because it was weird. It was like, I, because I had already been sober, I knew right. what it was like, like on the other side. The second time yeah. Order, because I was like, I know same, how much yeah. better it is when I get over this hump. Yeah, I know what the other side looks in like.
1: Mind, It's like, it's deeper yeah. this time. The yeah. Are, it's I've like done yeah. the same
0: thing. So, um, so it was you know, But I never lost hope because I was just like, the minute I lose hope, then it's fucking it's over. over. And I know it. And I remember my sponsor made me do gratitude lists. And I was like, this is the yes. stupidest shit I've is ever that fucking that done. I don't feel stupid. grateful at all. But I had to write a gratitude, 10 things every day did that, that grateful I was grat- for? grateful for. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It could be the food to eat, roof over your head. Like we all have something to be grateful for. And I would send it to her. And what it did was exactly what you said. It started to create that process of change, but it was slow. Mm -hmm. And if you look at like the way that the brain works, like on a neurological level, which I know you know about, Mm -hmm. like we create these pathways in our brain, like these grooves where our thoughts will automatically go because we have those thoughts all the time. So if you're always having negative thoughts, you're going to, you're going to create these deeper and deeper pathways of negative thoughts. So you automatically go there but if you start redirecting your thoughts down that, you know, mm-hmm. untrodden path yeah, and you start like, oh. forcing yourself to go that way more, then that pathway starts to become deeper and the other ones start to deteriorate a yeah, little bit. and it takes over. And then That's one the day one. you'll yeah. find that you automatically, suddenly your reaction become different. different. Yeah. And then your perspective changes yeah. and then everything's different. It's
1: a beautiful realization too like it really is that's what I encourage like I hope people just even try it I actually do gratitude lists with my son every day Mm -hmm. and every night before I go to bed multiple times a day I'll be driving and I'll just be like conscious like to be thankful for things or like if I lose something and find it I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. like you know things like little things um putting being grateful is a wonderful gift that you can give yourself and give to other people also you know and that's being that type of a person is wonderful you know I mean what's wrong with being like a positive positive human being because you can choose to be two things in this world and it's like why would you want to be somebody that's just riddled with hate and anger and inflicting that pain and anger and hatred onto other people yeah because you know hurt people hurt you hurt people And, but why choose to do that? Because it is ultimately a choice. Everyone has issues. Everyone deals with hurt and pain and challenges and difficulties and far worse things that you and I will ever imagine potentially, you know, but dealing with them is definitive of your character and Mm -hmm. therefore your impact on other people in your life, your loved ones, and just people in, in general. So.
0: So for you, who's been through so much, you know, who's been through a stroke, and I know also like you have a son with disabilities, which has Mm -hmm. got to be really difficult for you. What do you find yourself grateful for?
1: You know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to even just be sitting here having this conversation, honestly. Um, I've always said that I went through a period in my life where you have like checkpoints kind of. The first one was when my son was born, and finding out that he had, um, cerebral palsy, that was a truly humbling experience. Yeah. Um, devastating to me at, for, at first, I'll say that, um, because you hear something like that, a diagnosis like that and the lack of compassion that doctors have, or we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier, Yeah, like when they just deliver something like that to, a, I'm a single mother, you know, sitting there by myself and they just casually come in and say something like that. It's like, what and in my mind i had no idea what cerebral palsy was much like i didn't know what stroke was or signs or symptoms when
0: he got the diagnosis
1: he was only three months old which i'm grateful for that too because he was diagnosed so early Mm -hmm. um because i didn't know that babies like you know are supposed to use both hands laterally you know Mm -hmm. like i thought he was just right hand dominant Mm-hmm. He wouldn't use, acknowledge or use his left side of his body at all. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that that was an indicator that he had CP. He had a neck thing, the torticollis. So their necks kind of get kinked mm-hmm. sometimes really simple, you know, cosmetic thing, excuse me. And a physical therapist came in, worked out his neck and she noticed it. Um, you know, so for those things, like those moments I'm grateful for because I was devastated by that. Yeah. I thought, his life was over, you know, like he's never going to play football. Or he's never going to have a normal life, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. wanted him to have a chance
0: yeah.
1: at a normal life. And I realized more and more that he's a gift. Yeah. You know, so. How old is he now? He's almost six. Oh, wow. He'll be six in December. You're going to make me cry, too. Well, and you're making I was me like, cry, it's so too cry. fucking late. I know. It's true, because it, like, you know, he, um, I really, the world is so cruel. And, like, I was bullied most of my life. Still am to this day. You know, we are still. Yeah. But that's what I wanted for him, was not to have that. Yeah. And, unfortunately, that's all I thought about. Yeah. Was everyone's going to be cruel to him and all these things, but that's why it's so important to me that he knows who he is.
0: Yeah.
1: And that he's a wonderful human and not to dim. He's such a sweet little boy. Mm-hmm. Like not to dim his light and his, yeah. you know, his purpose in this world. And you know, and doing so showing him what strength looks like but what compassion looks like also. Yeah. And it's difficult to deal with and you know, we went through I've gone years and years of intensive physical they didn't think he was going to walk at one point. You know, he had walkers and all of the surgeries. Um, he had an MRI, sedated MRI when he was six months old. And I, like, I couldn't tell you how sick I was the entire yeah. time. You know, yeah. it felt like a year just sitting there waiting and this tiny little baby, you know, yeah. going in. And it's it's challenging, but I also, I really believe that was the checkpoint, too, where it humbled me. But it also made me grateful. Yeah and grateful that it wasn't something worse. Yeah. You know, you know, he's, why am I, you know, being self-loathing here or, you know, why do I have to look at him even differently? Yeah. That's a societal thing, you know, that I bought into, you know, why does he have to, why couldn't he play football? You know, why couldn't he do these things? He can do anything he wants to do. Yeah. And so I encourage that, but that was, you know, it's a wake up call to me too, to change my perspective on life and other people and to have more, empathy and compassion for others and you know that really pushed me to be that way and to try to you know live my life that way and teach him to be that way because it's such a more beautiful life and you know there are obviously painful moments and challenges but being able to deal with them and look at them in a beautiful way and not that it's the end of the world or negative it's it brings you peace yeah it truly does how's he doing now he's so good He's just darn. He's in preschool. He's sassy. Man, I'm like, what? Where did these (laughs) things come from? Like, what did you just say to me? Um, It's amazing. His emotional intelligence is just incredible. He's just a sweet little boy. I can imagine. Oh, he's just, and he's just inherently sweet. And I love that about him. And I look at other kids, like, and I don't have anything against other people's kids, but sometimes I'm just like, he really is like a little little gem, you know, in ways that I don't think he would be. Yeah. If he was quote unquote normal, you know, or, you know, didn't have the disability, but it's, he's a wonderful little, little guy. So I hope that he maintains that throughout his life. And I've been including him in wrestling and YouTube and stuff that I do too, which people frown upon, but I'm also like, you know, he if uh, he's going to be in a position where people are going to be cruel to him because of what I do for a living, he's already got two strikes against him now. Mom does porn and I have CP. I want to elevate him in, you know, in ways that are appropriate and respectful to him, but also like I want him to have an enjoyable life and Mm -hmm. know that, you know, everything somebody says about me, it's because they're miserable human beings themselves. And, you know, they're not open or they're not, you know, they're not secure enough within themselves or for whatever reason it is they're judgmental um, and be like, that's okay that those people have those feelings. Don't let it hurt you. Yeah. Don't let it impact you. Yeah. Cause that was the biggest loss I think is when people try to take away your spirit and everything that you, that is good about you because yeah. they're so cruel and yeah. evil. So don't let them. And I want to teach them that I wish someone taught me that at that age. I want them to know like, People can say whatever they want about you. Yeah, They can't take away who you are.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's incredible that you've been through so much and you've faced so many challenges and you come out of this. I mean, you could have gone the other way, right? You could be angry. You could be bitter. You could be those people that, that, you know, you talk about trying to take away other people's light and you haven't. No. You've come out on the other side like a stronger woman and I think like an incredible – um, role model for so many people so thank, thank you. you I appreciate you
1: you're a role model of mine too so that means a lot to oh, me because we you. cry here together <laughs> uh, it. I, need I to so sorry. Tissues. Yeah. no
0: it's okay man I've had several podcasts that I've cried on oh god I know it's like oh, I'm gonna go have to start bringing tissues no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You laughs> to go it's good with, right like crying Holly Randall crying
1: <laughs> that's your well if you yeah. YouTube me it's just what's me you're crying about now <laughs> Like yeah, there
0: it is. <laughs> I've heard
1: Misha crying in fifty different videos. Perfect. <laughs> Never used to do that before the stroke. By the way, like I could contain it more. Yeah. Now it's just like I have no emotional <laughs>
0: situation whatsoever. It's like okay, here it comes. Well, I think it's a good thing. Thank I think you. you know. I mean, we're we're all holding so much inside. True. Sometimes you just kind of like yeah, let that it out just needs to be.
1: and share it yeah. because we, it's we're human yeah you know like that's why I have no problem with it I used to be like oh my god no no but it's like you know we're humans we we have emotions and and the right to be emotional or passionate about you know and that's the thing too it's like not necessarily crying because we're sad it's like because it just means so much you know and it's like so impactful and it can even be joy but it's like it doesn't have to be a sad or negative thing either like it's just expressive so yeah I I think it's a beautiful thing so I just let it go all you know, I are... mean,
0: look at you. You're a multifaceted woman. Oh, you can you. cry on a podcast about your son who you love so much. And then you can go in a death match and get hit yeah. in the head with a fucking like light tube. Yeah, light tube just, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and that's just what day. being Misha Montana is all about.
1: That's it right there. In a nutshell, <laughs> that's literally it. That is it. Nail on the head. Not in my head. Not in my head.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming thank on. This you, has hi. been a really, truly enjoyable conversation. So wonderful. I'm really glad. Me too. Thank you so much for having me of course anytime um can you let everybody know where they can find you online yes of
1: course you can find me on uh, my websites mishamontana.com onlyfans.com slash mishamontana and all socials except tiktok uh the mishamontana twitter and instagram
0: fantastic and you guys can find me at holly randall on instagram and on twitter and of course if you want to support this podcast go to patreon.com slash holly randall and filtered if you're watching this on youtube like and subscribe please it would mean a lot to me i just uh hit 200,000 subscribers which yay congrats congrats. congrats thank it's you, great. you thank it. you so um you know looking i'm looking to hit that Hell million yeah. or yeah. oh it's coming baby one it's day, coming so thank you guys so much for watching thank i will you. see you next week